2: If you're, if you're thinking, he said, if you're thinking about new windows, uh, please consider Window Nation. Winter's here. We've got a bit of a respite. God, it felt great out there this morning, didn't it, Denton? It was like 57 degrees. Uh, man, that feels good after a cold stretch. Uh, but it's going to get cold again, maybe even by early Monday and then definitely into February. It looks like a cold month setting up. If you've got older windows You're losing big time on energy bills. You're paying 30% more at least than you should be if your windows are 10 years of age or older. Give Window Nation a shot to replace those old windows. Right now, 50% off all styles of windows, plus 0% interest rates for five years. Now's the time to protect your family from the elements, lower your energy costs, and upgrade the look and feel of your home. If you call them at eight six six ninety nation go to windowNation.com, mention my name. You'll get a free estimate. You'll get access to that deal right now. I promise you they'll take good care of you. I've been endorsing WindowNation for 14 years. I've been a customer. Many listeners have been customers. It always works out. Ninety per, uh, 96% of their installs require no follow-up service. They get it right the first time i promise you they'll come into your home they'll install the windows you won't even know they were there except for those new beautiful windows they're trusted by over 200 000 homeowners they've installed two million plus windows call them now at 866-90-nation go to windownation.com get zero percent interest for five years plus 50 percent off all style windows you'll save thousands your home will look better You've got nothing to lose. If you mention my name, they'll give you a free estimate. Eight six six ninety nation or windownation.com. So Steven Spector was a producer here for many years at 980, and then he left to go become the program director at the biggest sports talk station in Kansas City. He got there just in time. Uh, they have won uh, two Super Bowls. They've been in six AFC title games. The Royals. Uh, you know, did very well after he first got there, um, and he's a huge Chiefs fan, and he's been involved in covering this team now for many years during the Patrick Mahomes era. So I had him on my podcast yesterday. We've had him many times on the radio show as well. We did Baltimore, uh, the the Baltimore perspective yesterday uh, with uh, our guy Bobby Trossett in Baltimore. This is the Kansas City perspective. If you wait a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit about Eric Bieniemy potentially back to Kansas City. But I started off by asking Stephen how surprised he was that Kansas City is here and still playing given their regular season.
3: I'm very surprised because I was one of the people that was out on this team, and that was starting in November. Uh, and I'm sure you can go back on my Twitter timeline. I said, this is not a Super Bowl team uh, coming off that game in Germany in which they, you know, they ended up beating the dolphins that day, 21, 14, but didn't score a point in the second half. And, you know, the reasoning behind it, I thought at the time was, was pretty logical. They, they didn't have any weapons on the outside. There were holes on the offensive line. Pat was playing kind of his worst football in the five years that he'd been the starting quarterback. And There was not a lot to like about this team on the offensive side of football. The defense has always been there. But when you looked at, in comparison to the, you know, this six-year run, they've always had the Hill, the Kelsey. Kelsey has not been himself, you know, at age 34. There is no more Tyreek Hill. Pat not playing his best football. I was out on this team in November. And the last two weeks, um, I've had to put my foot in the mouth because they've changed their philosophy and now – they seem to be playing their best football at the most important time and headed to Baltimore with a, another coin flip game on the road, and we're all excited for it.
2: What what's, what changed philosophically here recently?
3: Oh, it's very simple. I think Andy, for four months, was tinkering with Kadarius Tony, and tinkering with Sky Moore and tinkering with, you know, how to get Marquez Valdez-Scantling in the game. And he realized... It's pretty simple. It's like a basketball analogy, Kevin. There's only three guys that should ever shoot the ball, and that's Travis Kelsey, that's Rasheed Rice, and that's Isaiah Pacheco. And those three guys have got the majority of the touches the last two weeks, and the offenses run through them. And when Marquez Valdez-Scantley needs to come up with two catches, he has. But they've stopped trying to force these gadget players and these role players into, you know again, using the basketball analogy – shooting the ball and trying to score, there's three guys, and that's who they've run it through. And look, they put up 26 points against the Dolphins in frigid temperatures. They left a little bit to be desired with, with four field goals in that game. Um, they should have scored over 30, if not for McCall Hardman. Again, another gadget player making a crucial mistake on the goal line in Buffalo. It's, it's pretty simple. Get the guy, Get the ball to the guys who are good and let Pat do his thing, and Pat has also not turn the ball over in this postseason in fact he has not thrown a pick in the last five postseason games he's played in so pat's narrowed it in they've narrowed the rotation and it's pretty simple the defense has held held ground in the second half
2: the buffalo the you know if you take the kneel downs out of the equation they had 361 yards 21 first downs and basically 27 but as you mentioned should have been more than 27 um, points on 43 plays. I mean, that's that is highly productive offense. But it also came against a very banged up defensive football team in Buffalo. And one of the things I've looked at here recently with respect to the game Sunday, Stephen, is that the last couple of decent defensive teams, if not good defensive teams, the Raiders, the Patriots. Um, They haven't been themselves. And and a couple of those games were in December, the the Christmas Day game. I mean, the Raiders generated no offense and were able to win that football game uh, on Christmas Day. Um, And I just wonder if there's any level of concern going up against, I think, the best defense in football in Baltimore's.
3: Yeah, I, I think the conversation here this week, or I guess we can go back a little bit through the playoffs is, the Chiefs are better than Miami, right? The, the team that Miami rolled out was incredibly injured on the defensive side of the ball. And right. same with Waddle and Mostert, right? I don't think anybody expected Miami to come into negative 27 degree weather and beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Okay. That's that conversation. It, it worked out that way. I think everybody here thought that the Chiefs were better than Buffalo on Sunday because of the injuries that Buffalo had. If Buffalo was fully healthy, I think that's a different conversation to your point. The conversation this week is that for the first time maybe since they played the Patriots in the AFC Championship game in 2019, I think the conversation here is that the Chiefs are probably not better than Baltimore. But we always have to throw this asterisk on is they have, we, have, we have Michael Jordan at quarterback, okay? Like, <laughs> I, I know it sounds cliche, but they've got Jordan – They've got you know Tiger Woods on Sunday at the Masters. So Mahomes is some crazy like nine and one when he's underdog against the spread. You know it's just nuts uh, what Patrick Mahomes has been able to accomplish in his six years as a starter. So while I agree with you that I think this matchup may not play to the Chiefs' advantage and that Baltimore is really really good and has had a historic. season, we always have to add the caveat is the other team doesn't have Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs do, and we'll have to see on Sunday after 60 minutes if that holds true.
2: Yeah, I mean, of course, and I think every football fan, and you don't have to be a Chiefs fan, understands that, as you said, Jordan is on their team, and so that makes winning um, a possibility, if not a probability, even though I don't think it's a probability on Sunday. But I think what is also, and you've already mentioned it once, what has definitely carried Kansas City for a lot of the season is is a defense that has played better than any of the previous defenses, right? I mean, this is the best defensive team that Mahomes has been on.
3: It's not even close. Uh, and, you know, Steve Spagnuolo came on in here after that 2018-2019 team and completely revamped it. And this is now the second revamp that he's gone through. You know, there's no more Frank Clark. There's no more Tyron Matthew. I mean – What's really encouraging to a lot of Chiefs fans here is that this is also a very young defense. Now there are some contracts that are going to be come due here pretty soon, but you know this is, could be the last game that uh, Chris Jones plays in a Chiefs uniform, and Legarius Sneed, who's been the mm. best corner despite being snubbed as an All-Pro, um, is, is up for a contract. But you look at some of the guys on this on this defensive side of the ball; they're under 26. And yeah, you're going to have to figure out how to pay guys and they're going to figure out how to pay a free agent wide receiver. But Trent McDuffie is a stud, all pro in the second year. George Karloftis has 20 sacks yeah. in his first two seasons as achieved a great draft pick off the edge who they drafted as a result of trading Tyreek Hill. Nick Bolton's a star in the middle. And then they have, you know, role players around those guys and it's not even close. I mean, this is a really great defense. I think they're averaging like seven points allowed in the second half in the 2023 season. It just the mix of young talent and stars with Steve Spagnuolo, um, is really, really special watching. Th- that's the side of the ball that has kept this offense in it and put them in a position to win uh, 12 games this year and, and win the AFC West yet again.
2: Back to the offense. I mean, I don't know that there is a back in the league that runs harder than Pacheco. Um and I you know we, we obviously saw glimpses of it uh, last year uh in his in his rookie season as a 7th rounder, you know, out of Rutgers. Um you mentioned it it's like Rice, Pacheco, Kelsey, nobody else should get shots. Uh I wonder if they'll be able to run the football against Baltimore. It's been hard to for anybody to do it against Baltimore. But I would bet that that's a big part of Sunday that they've got to be able to to stay balanced and 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 have Pacheco, you know, have a have a seventy five yard plus day.
3: Yeah, I think you're right, and I think the difference is if you're watching that game against Buffalo, you know, Pacheco was ripping off those eight, 10, 12 yard carries. I think the important part on Sunday is he's got to get four to five, right? He, you got to keep yourself in a manageable situation. Against an incredible Baltimore defense. And, you know, another big part of the conversation, if, you know, I'm sure not everybody listening has watched all 16, 17 regular season Chiefs games, but Pacheco was, clearly was held back by Andy and this staff, where he was not in, and fans were clamoring for it for the 15, 18 carries a game, and Andy didn't do it. And there's a clear reason why. He's gotten 39 carries the last two weeks against the Dolphins and Bills. And it's pretty clear that Andy said, we're not going to waste you in regular season games. We know we're going to win the division. We know we have more important football ahead of us. And then you get 15 carries against the Dolphins or 24 carries against the Dolphins, 15 against the Bills, and they score 26 and 27 respectively. And they've got to do something similar again on Sunday because, it, you know, as great as Pat is, it can't be 45 dropbacks, third and eight all the time. That's not going to work against this Baltimore defense and this Baltimore pass rush. So, again, I think you're right. If, you know, 15, 20 carries for 75, 80 yards, can you set yourself up for second and six as opposed to second and eight? Uh, that gives a chance uh, for the Chiefs to win this football game on Sunday.
2: All right, let me ask you a question about our team uh, and a guy that coached there for several years who was the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach here. There were conversations, fans, you know, media types that said Kansas City's offense is struggling because Eric Bieniemy isn't there. How do Kansas City people feel about that?
3: Such a wild conversation. So, I think there's there's two sides to it. The Chiefs were one of the most penalized teams in the NFL and they turned the ball over a ton with like a, you know, 28th in the league or something like that in, in turnover margin this year. And everybody would say, that, that would never happen with Eric Bienemy. But yet last year when things were going wrong, it was all Eric Bienemy's fault. So it's it's kind of a pick your poison you know argument. I, I do think there is a there is something to the fact that they were much more disciplined under Eric Biennamy, but there were still a ton of Bienemy complaints uh, with the offense not taking shots, being slow and methodical, Pat not being um, you know, as aggressive as he as he has been in the past. So I think there's probably two sides to the argument, but I don't think you can for sure say that this team wouldn't be the most penalized team without Eric Bien-Aimé, uh being the offensive coordinator here this past 16, 17 games.
2: Do you think if Biennemi isn't in Washington, which there's a pretty good chance he won't be, do you think he comes back to Kansas City? Will Andy want him back?
3: I don't think so. Uh, Nagy is very, Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator for the chiefs is very well liked in the building. Very well liked by Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think, you know, I think Eric Bieniemy's time had just run out in Kansas city. He'd been interviewed for so many jobs. I just think the message maybe got a little stale uh, in that locker room. Not that he's not respected. And I think any player who played for him would tell you that, but I think they just needed a new voice in that room. And listen, I mean, it's, it's hard to move on from an offensive coordinator who got you back to the AFC championship game. So um, a lot of people also believe Matt Nagy is the coach in waiting here in Kansas city. Um, if and when Andy wants to retire in the next two, three, five years. So I don't think a reunion is likely. I I've always thought that Eric B needs to go to college, but I don't think Kansas city fans would say, yeah, let's bring Eric B enemy back uh, here to be the offensive coordinator in 2024
2: what's it been like to be at the center on Sunday afternoons of the Taylor Swift universe?
3: Oh God, it's wild. I mean, I know, I know Twitter is not a real conversation or X, whatever the difference in between Kansas city and having fun with Taylor Swift and her being like a part of our town is so different than the online conversation and the people mad about showing her on TV it, Kansas City's embraced her. She's embraced Kansas City. That's all we really want. You know, she walks around Trader Joe's here in Kansas City, all, all that stuff. Like Kansas City fans love her, adore her. I think the national conversation has gotten a little ridiculous with people being all up in arms about showing her on TV. She's just trying to enjoy the game and she clearly has, you know, embraced Travis Kelsey's, you know, fame and fandom and she's having a great time. Why shouldn't the rest of us?
2: Uh, I think that's perfectly said, and I think I completely agree with that. All right, what happened Sunday in Baltimore?
3: Oh, God. Do you have the total in front of you? Because that will shape my, my score prediction.
2: 51. It's
3: 51? Yeah. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. I thought was 45. and I thought it was – okay, 51. Yeah. Um, I would – Oh, no, 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 no no,
2: no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's the San Francisco game. Uh, 44 and a half, my fault. 44,
3: 44 and a half, okay. Yeah, yeah that sounds um, – You know, I thought the Chiefs were going to lose this game all season, but now all of a sudden I'm as confident as ever that they're going to win. I will say 23-20 Chiefs. Um, That's right around that 44-and-a-half mark. Late field goal from Butker. Chiefs escape with a victory. They're headed to their second straight Super Bowl. Baltimore left hanging. I think there's – and tell me if you disagree, and you obviously have a pulse on the the region. I think there's a lot more pressure on Baltimore and Lamar to win this game than there is for the Chiefs.
2: I haven't thought about it after they beat the Texans from that perspective because I thought that there was some pressure on Lamar last Saturday, even though the opponent was a lesser opponent, because the last time they were a number one seed in the postseason, Tennessee destroyed them. Uh, at M&T Bank and I I think that he had a great second half and so I think there's a little bit of pressure off of him after that performance but it was Houston it was a young team it was a rookie quarterback it was pretty damn cold not Kansas City cold like the Miami game which by the way as an aside I don't think because of that game and because of all of the reported hypothermia cases we will ever see a game in that temperature again I think the NFL will prevent that uh, moving forward, although I thought it was super entertaining to watch. Um, but yeah, there there there's no pressure on the Chiefs. This was supposed to be all season long. This was supposed to be the off year. This wasn't going to be a Super Bowl team, as you said. Um, and here they are, and so they're kind of playing with house money for the first time, if it's even possible for a Chiefs team to play with house money. So I would say, yeah, there's more pressure on Baltimore, but I also think Baltimore is just a flat-out better team. Uh, I, 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 I really do.
3: I, yeah, I completely agree with that, and I, you know, I do think there's more pressure on Baltimore and Lamar. A, you're hosting the game. I also think Lamar probably has to wear the pressure of Burrow and Allen a little bit, like. You know, we talk about the who is Mahomes' rival, and it started as Lamar, then it went to Josh Allen, then it was Burrow, for a second it was Herbert, and yet none of these guys have – one guy has made a Super Bowl, Burrow, Burrow lost to the Rams, but none of these guys have consistently beaten Patrick Mahomes when it actually matters. And now Lamar has another chance, and the first time these two have played against each other in the playoffs, I think Lamar not only has pressure on himself and kind of his legacy, I think he's got to wear the pressure of who's going to be the first AFC quarterback to beat Patrick Mahomes and then go on to win a Super Bowl. Because, again, Burrow did it in the 2022 AFC Championship game but lost to the, lost to the Rams. At some point, it can't just be Patrick Mahomes every year for the AFC. So is it going to be Lamar this year? Is it going to be Burrow next year? Whoever Someone's got to eventually beat Patrick Mahomes. And I think Lamar has to wear that pressure this weekend.
2: Yeah, I think there is. I mean, again, if he had lost to Houston on Saturday, it would have been bad um, for him. Um, uh, But yeah, uh, the Josh Allen conversation's gotten a little bit out of hand. I get it. I I thought that he made some decisions there on that final drive that weren't great decisions, but – If there were an open draft for current NFL quarterbacks, he'd be no worse than the third or fourth quarterback taken. And Lamar, even if he loses on Sunday, would be no worse than like the fifth quarterback taken. You know, the funny thing about Burrow is Burrow went into Arrowhead. You know, and won and nearly did it again. You know, last year that would have really separated Burrow had they pulled it off two years in a row in an AFC title game at Arrowhead, and they certainly had a chance to do it last year. Um, wasn't it? A, it was a walk off field goal that won it, right? I think it was.
3: Yeah. Yeah, there's four seconds left and yeah. they had to kick the, you know, the the, the kickoff. But yeah, it was, it was essentially a walk off after that. That would have uh, really put. Bur- penalty.
2: That would have made it a no brainer. Even if they had lost the Super Bowl to Philadelphia two weeks later, that would have been a, a no brainer to say Burrow's number two behind Mahomes. In fact, we'd be saying he's kind of got Mahomes' number, you know.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The, the the reverse side of that argument is Burrow's been in the NFL for four years and he hasn't finished two of them. I know, right? He, he yeah. tore his ACL in Washington and then the uh, the wrist injury in Baltimore. So, yeah, I mean, two AFC championships games with two seasons of not finishing the season, um, and we'll see. You know, with the the conversation in the NFL is: can you win with a quarterback who's been paid? This is the first year that Joe Burrow's been paid a, a twenty twenty four season. Uh, can they retain that core? of really good player. So we'll have to see what Burrow is moving forward, but I think you're absolutely right.
2: Well, and the other thing with Lamar Jackson is he's got to take advantage of this opportunity because he's been injury prone too. You know, they went into the postseason last year with Tyler Huntley. They missed the pre, uh, the postseason the year before because he wasn't available to them at crunch time. And the way he plays, you know, this was a big offseason conversation about, you know, you know, why Baltimore was at least perceived to be hesitant. They love Lamar. Lamar is incredibly beloved by everybody in that organization and everybody in that locker room. But to give him the kind of money ultimately that he got – there was this risk, I mean, were you going to see a third straight year where it ended with Tyler Huntley on the field? You couldn't have that, and he's one game and one win away from making it all worth it for Baltimore. Um, two wins away, really. They, I think they've got to they, they get there and win it, and I, I actually think Baltimore is the team right now of the four remaining that is a cut above I do.
3: I I, I think though I think whoever wins the AFC championship game wins the Super Bowl because I don't I don't care what we say this is a quarterback driven league I'll take Lamar and Mahomes over Goff and Purdy I don't care if it's perfect conditions in a dome in Vegas give me Lamar or Pat over Goff and Goff and Purdy
2: Yeah all right man great job uh, enjoy it Are you coming to the game or are you just hanging out at the station back in KC? Hanging out. All right. Well, enjoy it. First time on the road last week, second time on the road this week. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Appreciate it, Stephen. Thanks, Kevin. At StephenSpector10 on Twitter. Uh, so we've covered the Baltimore side of the AFC title game, the Kansas City side of the AFC title game. We'll get into into Detroit and San Francisco much more on tomorrow's show. Plus, we'll have our picks and smell test, etc. cetera on Friday's show. All right, Denton's news next. There is some breaking news on the coaching front in the NFL. Noki after that. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on
4: the Team 980.
0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
2: Hitting the news you might
0: have missed. It's Denton's Daily News.
6: What do you got? All right, let's start with the, uh, the breaking news. The Panthers have hired a new head coach. They are going with uh, Buccaneers, OC Dave I believe it's Canales. It's Canales or Canales. 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 Dave Canales. Yeah. Uh, he was Bucks OC this year. He was a quarterback coach in uh, Seattle last year. He's been with Seattle for a long, long time. Uh, he is now going to uh, to coach the Panthers.
2: Did a really nice job with Baker Mayfield this year. Um, That was uh, a Todd Bowles call. I remember listening to an interview with Todd Bowles during the summer on SiriusXM, the NFL channel, and he was talking about all of the different interviews he had for offensive coordinators and that Canales just clearly stuck out to him as the best. I think he said he interviewed over 14 people for that uh, available OC position. Um, And uh, one year. Uh, does a nice job with Baker Mayfield and he's a head coach in Carolina getting ready to work with Bryce Young. So what so what does that leave us with? Washington, At- Seattle, Atlanta, and
6: Atlanta. Yeah. Where are we on Belichick to Atlanta? So the rumor was supposed to be that Belichick was gonna get hired over the weekend. Obviously, it's Thursday now and he has not been hired. I know Mike Vrabel is interviewing with the Atlanta Falcons, so there must have been some form of dispute, maybe some friction about Bill wanting to do things his way and Atlanta wanting to do things their way. But as of right now, he's not been hired, and they're still interviewing other people.
2: Yeah, really interesting now with Atlanta. Uh, and it would certainly seem to be what you just described, Um, and based on just reading a little bit about what's going on in Atlanta, and that is... You know, Bill probably wants more of a say-so in a lot of different areas that perhaps Arthur Blank isn't willing to give him. And if that's the case, then, you know, it's potentially Vrabel. Um, You've still got the Seattle deal where Quinn and Vrabel were apparently among the two. I think there's interest in Ben Johnson from Seattle and Atlanta as well. Because I think uh, the other two teams that were going to Detroit on Monday to interview in person for the first time, Ben Johnson included after Washington, Seattle, and Atlanta. So um, there we go. Uh, Three left. And uh, I think, uh, you know, at least in the case of Washington, you know, waiting for the results for Sunday night. Because I personally still believe that the odds heavily favor. You know Ben Johnson to Washington, and we're, we're a week away from either talking about yesterday's introductory press conference of Ben Johnson or getting ready for one today, next Thursday, a week from today. That's what I believe. We'll see what happens. What else do you have?
6: So, if you look on Twitter right now, you will see the name of Ted Leonsis being flown around here. This will be my final story for you today. He put out a letter to Monumental fans, Wizards, Caps, Mystics, all of the above explaining the decision uh the too long didn't read uh, synopsis of it is that we are all one dmv and that his teams are for everybody
2: yeah so i you know i got this i, I was sent this letter um because i saw it pop up in my email box I, we we all are on their mailing list and i did my best to read a very long typical um of of him very very long email i may have missed the part where he talked about whether or not a move to uh, Virginia would create a better opportunity to win. Um, there's nothing in here about whether or not any of this benefits the teams that he owns. Um, a lot in here about how it benefits the customers and the fans of the teams. And, you know, it, it it's exactly what you described. It's essentially a pitch to say, these two teams that I own, and you know he mentions all the other teams uh, per usual, um, they are not DC's team teams, they are the DMV's teams and we are going to be playing in the DMV. We're going to be playing four and a half miles from Capital One Arena. We're going to be playing 2.6 miles from the DC border under one mile from Reagan, Washington National airport, one of the most accessible major metropolitan airports in the U S that's true by the way. Um, and just a couple of hundred feet from the newly opened Potomac Yard, Virginia tech Metro station. Um, I can't project what it would be like four years from now in terms of traffic patterns to drive there or which metro stop you'd get off on or how many different transfers, et cetera. I know not everybody from Maryland's thrilled. Clearly, people in D.C. aren't thrilled. I think for me, the biggest disappointment on that initial uh, press event, which is now like a month ago, and even based on the quick read, and again, it's a long read here, is just an acknowledgement of, of you know, leaving D.C. and I think what it will do to that area of, of D.C., which, you know, some of you think has gone to hell in a hand bucket to begin with. I think that's a major exaggeration. Um, but, uh, yeah, in here, if you recall, I mentioned um, shortly after that presser that, and it was surprising to me, that between the Capitals and the Wizards, 44%, of the fans who attend Caps and Wizards games actually live in Virginia. 41% in Maryland, 15% in D.C. I would have thought that Maryland would have been the state in which most of the fans of the team came from. Specifically, like I'd love to know what county uh, most of the fans are. I would bet it's Montgomery County. But I don't know that for sure. But I think that that was a surprise when I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Somebody fr- uh, had from the, 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 that group had told me that the majority of fans, actually the highest percentage of fans, actually come from Virginia. So anyway, uh, all right, yeah, we're all one big DMV. Meantime, Chinatown will probably never be the same. Once those teams move out, and if indeed they do move out, there is an update on the process that they're in um, to to make this a reality. All right, uh, no more news? Nope, that's Wes it. Unseld's not the coach of the Wizards anymore. We talked about that at the beginning. He's been moved to the front office, and Brian Keefe, who was on his staff, has been named interim head coach. Up next, Chris Knocky will jump on with us. He was in Iowa City last night for maryland's comeback win and another unbelievable performance in an incredible season for maryland guard jameer young that's next kevin Sheehan showed the team 980 and the team 980.com
5: selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash odysseypodcast.
2: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. We talked about it at the beginning of the show, Maryland coming back last night to beat Iowa on the road, a place where they have struggled um, since they've entered the Big Ten, with Jameer Young leading the way. Ten of the final 15 points for Maryland in the final eight over basically the final minute or so uh, to beat Iowa in Iowa City, 69-67. Chris Knocky was there. Uh, What time did you get back from Iowa last night? this morning?
7: Uh, you know, I rolled in home about 2.30, quarter of three. Uh, yeah.
2: But, it, you know, it beats the alternative,
7: Kevin, you know, hanging out in Iowa City for the night and then trying to get back today. Uh, nice so, place
2: to be from? Yeah.
7: <laughs> you know, it's it's a nice, it's a good college town. It's, uh, it's sadly enough, you know, they've got a weird dynamic going on there right now. Caitlin Clark and that right. women's basketball team in Iowa have completely taken any, any of the shine off, not just men's basketball, but athletics in general. It, it is all about Caitlin and, and Iowa women's hoops there right now. And she was there last night of the game. She dates Fran McCaffrey's one of Fran
2: McCaffrey's sons.
7: And she's surrounded by uh, uh, university policemen.
2: She's a star. I mean, she's one of the best watches in sports right now she's
7: also the you know one of the queens of NIL. Uh yeah. I mean there there's a there's a lot going on there with that and uh, she you know there's no way she opts to go to the N, uh WNBA this year. She'd take a she'd get a quarter of what she's making at NIL. What is
2: she making in NIL? Do we know?
7: The last I heard, the last I read was 790. 790k. I think the max WNBA contract is 235 and uh and I think the 790 I read was before, I mean, I think I think that she's basically picking and choosing what she wants to do. I think that was before Jake from State Farm walked into her life.
2: <laughs> I wonder, though, what, uh, look, the, the college basketball thing with Iowa and LSU last year and, um, the Iowa game the other day when she went for 45 at Ohio State drew a huge number. Um, and I don't know that the WNBA can draw that kind of an audience, but I wonder if there are just bigger endorsement opportunities. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it makes sense that maybe she'll play as long as she can in college. She's got one more year that she could play, correct?
7: Correct. I believe that's right.
2: Yeah. By the way, in all, you and I have talked about this so many times that – You know, for years, you know, the ACC and the true ACC the way it was and the venues, et cetera, and one of the first things you said to me after two or or three years in the Big Ten was, my God, the places you get to go to are just incredible road environments. You know, Indiana, Michigan State, you know, Illinois, Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera, Purdue. Iowa's one of the worst, isn't it? Well,
7: you know, we've had the misfortune of playing there in some awful weather days, Uh, and and Iowa, you know, Iowa has uh, really disappointed their fan base with their NCAA tournament performance. I I don't. They've been in the NCAA tournament eight of the last nine years. One of those was a couple years ago when they had won the Big Ten tournament and went in on a complete heater, and they can't seem to get out of their own way when they get to the NCAA tournament. And, uh, there are a lot of fans there that are, you know, they the basically their approach is why should we care? We know how, we know how this movie ends this year. Um, and that's kind of sad. Uh, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a cool college town. The arena needs updating for sure. It needs to be dressed up a little bit. And, uh, you know, but gosh, between women's basketball I, I mentioned and Iowa wrestling, which is just enormous. Yes, yes. Every Iowa wrestling match is or meet or whatever you call those is uh, is bonkers. You know, it's completely sold out. I mean, it, it's a uh, it's a cult there, and so you. It's not just Iowa basketball. Yeah, you're competing with a lot of other other things there.
2: Yeah, I mean that team with Luca Garza was supposed to be Fran McCaffrey's team, um, yeah. and it didn't get there. He, by the way, uh, you know we've we certainly have talked about some of our own coaches here um, that haven't been uh, very often beyond the first weekend. He's never been beyond the first weekend at Iowa. And he just got re-upped recently, I'm pretty sure. All right. Um, yeah,
7: he did. he did. He also became just became Iowa's winningest coach, passing uh, Dr. Tom, Tom Davis, Davis. Yeah. which is no small feat. Um, nope. He's been there 14 years. And, you know, they went 20-plus every year. But, uh, again, you know the fan base is kind of bleeding for that next step.
2: Right. All right. Um, you've been there here for so- – I-, I said earlier in the show, and I'll just ask you this. I think we are actually witnessing one of the great all-time individual seasons by a Maryland basketball player. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna call it the greatest, but it's it's gonna be on the list of what Jameer Young has done. The game at Northwestern is one of the best individual performances by a Maryland player I've ever seen. Where do you come down on on Jameer Young in this season?
7: I mean, it's hard to argue as numbers tell you that I I think what's even more impressive than that in in taking like a little finer point to this, what he's done on the road is just absurd. You know, the the game at UCLA right before Christmas uh, where he did absolutely everything to win that game. Um, You know, the Northwestern game, you mentioned Illinois, same thing made every big shot and every big play against Illinois. I mean, he's on a, He's on a month-long, you know, road game heater. He has been just outstanding, and uh, I, I I love it. You know, and there's also kind of a. I know the last few minutes of the Michigan State game did not go the way he envisioned it, uh, nor did it go the way that Maryland fans did. But boy, you talk about making up for it last night. It had to feel good to kind of be on the right side of uh, of that.
2: I mean, I didn't, watching the game last night, at any point think that we would that Maryland would win the game. I mean, you were sitting courtside. I know they took the lead in the second half, but this wasn't the clean game that they played at Illinois, which I still think is the best game they've played this year. Um, this was another messy, turnover-laden game, but they're just really gritty on defense. Did you think they were going to win this game last night sitting courtside? Well, one of the things I liked, going into the game, you're not going to
7: win that game unless you muddy it up. I, I was averaging 86 points per game. Uh, Terps struggle to pop 70. So there's a real disparity there. So you have to do things to to muddy it. You have to make sure you're flying out at shooters. And, and uh, Maryland's whole game plan revolved around eliminating the threes. And they would do that even if it meant giving up some layups inside. They just didn't want Iowa to go on you know, one of those binges where they're hitting – you know, six three pointers in a in an eight minute stretch. So that was kind of the game plan going in. I really thought at halftime they're down six. I think at the break. And usually when Maryland struggles, particularly on the road, and, and is when they they completely, you know, the, the first half is just a, an abomination, and they find themselves down fourteen, fifteen, sixteen points. I thought because they 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 were right there within hailing distance. I, I thought that they had a real chance. When you get to the second half, you know there are going to be a lot of possessions because of the way Iowa plays, the speed they play with, and how quickly they they take shots. So yeah, I thought I thought at halftime they were in a really good position. No foul trouble for Reese to speak of. Geronimo, I think, had three, but for the most part, they were, you know guys were going to be able to play in the second half.
2: What do you think? Right now, you know, for, for those that aren't paying attention, Maryland's 12 and 8 overall. They're 4 and 5 in the Big Ten. This was a team that was supposed to be an NCAA tournament team before the season started. What are we doing here? Uh, sure. Before the season started, they were supposed to be um, an NCAA tournament team. They've struggled offensively more than anything else. There's still a lot of season left. They've got 11 Big Ten regular season games left. What has to happen for them to make a run where they get to 12 or 13 conference wins and they've got a shot?
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, they they have to. Obviously, it's a numbers game. Last night going into that game, Maryland was 99 in the net, and they beat a team that was 50 points above them on the road in Iowa. So winning games like that really help you, uh, you know, help your computer profile. They do have some opportunity games left, where you know the game at Michigan State uh, is one of those things that really steps out. They'll have Illinois, which is a top 15 in the computer. That they're coming back to Maryland to College Park. You know, not only do you have to take care of the fo- of the teams that are below you, i.e. Penn State and Rutgers, you have to make sure you take advantage of those those games that increase your profile. And even with that, Kevin, I, I think. You know unless they ran the table, which is almost inconceivable you know in this day and age i mean you you're probably gonna have to make some noise in that in that big time tournament as well I, I think the whole point is you gotta you gotta continue to get better it it feels like they're getting better, and i maybe I'm too close to be particularly objective, but it feels like they're getting better. I think they're feeling better about themselves uh particularly wins on the road will do that for you, and um you can't give up games like. You know, Nebraska comes in fourteen and five on Saturday. That's a game you need to win. That is a you know. They're pretty.
2: They're pretty good. They they're capable. That kid can really score. They they shoot threes. They can really score, as you
7: say. They love the pace. And uh, yet, if you lose that game, it feels like a step back. Uh, So so the the progress has to be made, and progress comes when you win. Uh, The Michigan State game is Michigan State and. Minnesota games are games that you will rue at the end of the season. That's why yeah. to get one back last night felt like a uh, like a double win almost.
2: Specific to the way they're playing though, like what do you want to see them dramatically improve to give them a chance to win the majority of these games the rest of the way? I
7: don't like. I don't like the way they've rebounded, particularly the last couple of games. They need to do uh, better in that area, and that's a that's a gang thing. You need to everybody needs to to pitch in there. They need, and, and this is kind of a nebulous thing. They need more players playing better. You know what you're going to get out of Jameer Young. I think Dante has really settled into kind of a role for himself. You know, still wish he'd maker? shoot more. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't take enough opportunities. And Julian Reese, assuming that he's not on the bench, that he's on the floor, kind of know what you get. Where they take the next step is when you're getting, you know, seven or eight points and, and six or seven rebounds out of Jordan Geronimo. Uh, you, you're the freshman. De- Deshaun Harris, it doesn't have to be great. He just has to defend, make layups when the opportunity comes, and foul shots too, you know. Uh, I-, I felt one of the things they did to turn the game around last night Kevin was their pressure uh they forced Iowa into some really uncharacteristic turnovers um and Iowa yeah. come into the game averaging nine turnovers per game they had they had eight in the first half and then they really didn't handle it well in the last six or seven minutes of the game so the more you can get to the free throw line and set up pressure obviously that's going to benefit them too
2: yeah Freeman fouling out really seemed to be a spark too uh last yeah. night um, yep. Thanks, as always. Hopefully there will be reasons for us to continue to have conversations about this team the rest of the way. They have definitely played better over the last two, two-and-a-half weeks. Thanks. All right, Kevin. See you. All right, Chris Naki, everybody. Thanks to Naki. Thanks to Steven Spector. Thanks to Eric Eager. Thanks to Cole Kublick, who are all on the show uh, today, uh, as we covered a lot today. Uh, back tomorrow, Football Friday for Championship Game Sunday chris russell who's with russ uh, with rooster today
6: Rooster riding solo all right
2: rooster solo next